Quinn joins us now, and it's nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you as well. Okay, so tell me about this initiative, and maybe it's important to start with uh, some stats I was looking at, that an awful lot of um, girls begin in soccer at a very young age, and as they age, they, they drop out. Yeah, so stats are really stark uh, with the number of female soccer players in Canada that drop out of sports as they enter into adulthood. And so I'm a part of the GE Appliances Canada See Them, Be Them initiative, um, which is for girls age 13 to 17. And it's going to be an in-person, all-inclusive paid trip for eight young soccer players this fall. Um that will do on-field training with me as well as off-field sessions. And then as well as the in-person experience, there's going to be an additional 100-player virtual experience. And so really the point of this um, mentorship experience is to hopefully have young girls and gender-diverse soccer players see themselves in, in their idols. And so hopefully by showing them that there is a pathway you know, beyond the sports that they're playing right now, maybe it's into a collegiate sport or even onto the national team into the future, hopefully that will inspire them to continue on into sports do we know why they're dropping out i think there's a host of factors when it comes to why um, young girls and gender diverse athletes are dropping out but i think a big one is for them they're not seeing in a male dominated sports environment they're not seeing they're not getting opportunities to see where they can go with it and then i think as well resources is a huge thing and um, we're not seeing as many resources put to uh, girls and women's sports in general why do you think it is that um, people are so preoccupied with men's soccer and then women's soccer is like an afterthought? And I was listening to a very funny profile recently where somebody asked uh, a digital assistant, who's the greatest soccer scorer of all time? And I think it was they it replied Lionel Messi. And it's like, no, it's Christine St. Clair. Thank you very much. Yeah, and as I said before, I just I think it is a male-dominated space, but luckily we're seeing such an uptick in popularity in women's sports, especially women's professional sports here in North America. And so I do think it's an exciting time um, to be able to see more athletes, whether it's on television or in the stands. Okay, so how do you go about mentoring? I know you described this program where people are going to be able to uh, come and uh, you know train with you effectively, but I guess you want to be a role model and a mentor at all times. Yeah, I think outreach is a really important thing, and I think it's engaging with our fans at every opportunity we get. I think the most rewarding thing for me um, is talking to young athletes and hearing that they've stuck through sports. I know for me as a transgender athlete, there are a lot of athletes who said, you know what, I've, after seeing you, I've rejoined the sports teams that I used to be on because I felt like I was more included and I was more involved after seeing you. I realized I had a place in sports still. Have you always felt included or were there bumps along this ride? Yeah, I think there were definitely bumps along the ride. I think for me as a transgender athlete playing in a very binary space, that was a difficult thing for me. Um, but I think even growing up, I didn't understand fully the pathway that I had to professional sports. It wasn't something that I saw and we were still in like the infancy stages of the NWSL, which is the league that I'm a part of now. And so I think it wasn't always clear of where I was going to be headed with sports and if it was always super inclusive. I wonder, uh, you mentioned, of course, gender diverse, and you've touched on uh, your own status. And so how does that factor into making the sport more inclusive? 
Yeah, I think a lot needs to be done to make the sport inclusive for everyone. I think specifically when talking about transgender athletes, LGBTQ athletes, we're seeing such a pushback in their inclusion in sports throughout North America. And so I think it's really important to be diligent in making our spaces inclusive, as well for people to be really good allies to make people feel included in the environments that they're in. Okay, what do you make of that pushback? And I think it informs our conversation. This is Pride Month. And, you know, we've got people picketing outside of uh, libraries where drag queens are reading to kids. We've got people complaining about transgender athletes. And uh, I mean, people who have no pony in the race are really angry about things. Yeah, I think it's an unfortunate thing to see that we've used, you know, transgender kids, we've weaponized transgender kids in this conversation for political debate, really. And so it's a really unfortunate thing that one of our most vulnerable populations is being targeted. But I think it shows that we really need to get behind the community, the LGBTQ community as a whole, and make sure um, that we're advocating for them. Set me up and well, set our listeners up for the uh, World Cup happening in July. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time um, for our national team. I think we have a pretty hard group stage. Um, that being said, I think every game is going to be really competitive, but I think we have a, a really great team. We're coming off of an Olympic gold medal, and so you know we're the team to beat, which I think is an exciting place for us to be in because we're normally underdogs in this race, so we'll see what we can do with that new status. And is the medal-winning team still intact? Is it all the same players who are going to the World Cup? Yeah, we have um, a lot of similar faces, and we also have a, a bunch of new faces as well. We have a, a larger roster here, so I think it's going to be exciting to see what our veterans can do, as well as new players coming in who I know are going to have a really crucial role in the team. Okay, and I will always be—I will always confess to not knowing enough about soccer. So you were saying just a moment ago that you have—I forget the word—but you're in, a, I guess, a tough grouping to start off. That you're going to have to claw your way to the top. Yeah, I think some people have thrown around that it is the group of death. I'm sure you could debate that for other groups as well. But we have Australia, the Republic of Ireland, and Nigeria. So with our Australian opponents, them being the hosts, I think that's going to be an interesting challenge for us because they have the momentum of their country behind them. And pardon me again for my ignorance of, of the sport, but I know in the CFL, uh, players actually have to have an actual job. Um, do, do you make enough in professional soccer or are you like you know driving Uber on the side? Yeah, it's becoming a more viable option. We've just actually in the NWSL negotiated our most recent CBA. And so I think that's giving people, you know, a lot more leeway to have this being their full time job. That's being said, historically, it has been something where people are trying to juggle their job as a professional athlete and then other jobs for income on the side. And that new deal was about getting parity with men's players, wasn't it? Um, no, not in the National Women's Soccer League. It was just to increase our own standards. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, just to put a fine point on it, how excited are you about the, the World Cup? Yeah, I'm really excited. It kicks off in just a few weeks' time, and I think we're, we're ready to roll. So it's, it's a really exciting moment for our team. It's also going to be in a couple of countries that are a little bit more intriguing than Qatar. <laughs> yeah i mean australia is incredible and i feel like all of our trips there have been have been awesome so i think it'll be an easy one for us to transition to okay and to come to circle back uh, one last question for you i mean it is pride month uh is is that important to you and so, a theme we've been touching on in our show is something you and i were just talking about which is used to be you know started as a protest then became a celebration and now we're kind of getting back to it being a protest 
Yeah, I think going back to the roots of what Pride Month is, Pride Month is is really important to understand that we are advocating for our most vulnerable populations. And so for me, that's the main thing of what I want to do is is make sure that we're raising awareness to the pushback that's been happening currently in our society. Quinn, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, I'll stop down.